That's the I, that's the point. People ASMR should be crinkle things. The beautiful strange podcast. <laughs> They're just gonna put it on repeat and be like, yeah, that. That's yeah. good. stuck in my head am i feeling you were manic listening to is that why? letters to cleo and it's kind of got that i'm never not listening to letters to cleo <laughs> i love that band so goddamn much allison is totally a geek by the way she's she's a fangirl of a lot of different things and i'm not saying this in a bad way she just really likes a lot of things I'm she's an all-around person. girl she yeah i do well if i love something i'm like yes and yeah. i get so excited and i'm just so it. boring I'm over here like, I don't... There's nothing you get passionate about? There is. Yeah. Yeah. But... No, I do about... Most things I like, I really, really like. Yeah. So I get really, like, animated about them. So dry about things, I feel like. But I feel silly, too. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever! All the time. But that's a great way to live, actually. Sure it is. I shouldn't be disappointed in myself for that. No. I wish I loved anything as much as how much you love things. Uh, you know what I love the most? I get excited about death too. But sushi. That's you what you're passionate about. <laughs> yes. All right, we're going to a sushi bar. We're gonna make a YouTube video, and we're gonna <laughs> so see what it, it looks like with ASMR. Ew, that sounds so gross. <laughs> Ew, just like smushing fish in our mouth. No. Oh fuck! Get out of here! Don't. I hate that. You know sound. how many people are enjoying that noise right now? Not me. And I'm the one that has to deal with you. So. I'm going to start out this episode with my first topic. Allison, as you know, you are in my new amazing apartment. It's so amazing. It has brick walls and cement floors. Who even cares about the brick walls? Because it's filled with the most beautiful shit. You guys, her house looks like a Victorian museum. It's an apartment. But you guys, her apartment. I moved across the country with like how only half of the things that I owned. I had to get rid of so many things, but I only kept my favorite little tchotchkes and special items and one of my most prized possessions is and this is going to lead into the topic i love entomology which is the preservation of insects i actually never knew that i've heard that word and i never knew what it meant yeah i could be getting the definition wrong but it has to do with insects and the appreciation of said insects that's kind of hand in hand with taxidermy I suppose. yes and i like taxidermy yeah. too i'm sorry we have cruelty free companies and i don't believe in harming animals but there is something about taxidermy that i find enchanting in an episode of fleabag um she, uh the godmother has played by olivia coleman who's my favorite actress there's something to get passionate about I fucking <laughs> love her they're all talking about her fur clutch that she has and she said yes but it's okay because it had a stroke right and that's how i feel I don't know what you feel about, like, what would you taxidermy a pet? I've joked about it with my ex quite a bit, that we were going to taxidermy our cat. Yeah. Because I just, I thought it would be funny to have the cat making, like, hey, face <laughs> above our fireplace all the time. I don't find it creepy. I always think, like, animal skin rugs are really scary to We me. preserve our bodies and then put them in a box. That's true. It's, I think, obviously, it's we- the cruelty that we're not for. Right. I'm when there's a synthetic option I'm into it like for fur coats and stuff. Oh, no. That industry is completely different from what we're talking about because that industry is fucked. No. Um, you know what it is? I think I've always been freaked out by hair preservation like in oh, Victorian really? eras. For some reason it really fucks with me. Teeth are kind of a limit teeth? for me. Oh, I didn't even teeth are see, kind of I didn't think about teeth. Yeah. That's off limits. We're not yeah. even going to talk about it. That's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I mean at least those are bones so it doesn't they're mouth bones though there is a method of using ashes in jewelry you can make yes what do you think about that for some reason my brain goes it's heated up and so the germs are gone even though that's (laughs) not and like pressed into a stone there's something okay about that for me but hair withstanding time fucks with me bugs like insects i'm assuming there's a chemical component how do you feel about bugs 
Well, I fucking hate bugs. That's you do? I love bugs. I don't even like sitting in the grass because there's bugs. I, I think about bugs all the time when I'm outside. Do you know why winter is one of my favorite times? Because there's no bugs. Because there's no fucking bugs. There's no bugs. Yeah. So moving here, I said this the other day. I was like, where are all the bugs? And I was told, oh, you'll see the bugs. You'll fucking see the bugs. Mosquitoes is what you'll see. Yeah. If there's bricks and buildings and things all around in the city, you won't see them here. I've seen one bug since I've been here for two months. It was a little tiny, like, fly. There is a little fruit. Do you guys get fruit flies? Yeah. We had one the other day for some reason. Just one single fruit fly. And Vivian came to me crying when I was in bed and went, there's a fruit fly in the bathroom, <laughs> so I can't go pee. In California, we get, like, snakes and spiders and tarantulas. All kinds of bugs in the desert. I went to my aunt's house. She lives in the hills. And so she, that fucking scares me so much. So she lives in the Hollywood Hills and there's behind her house, there was this whole path that led upward and it hadn't been cleared out. And so they didn't know it was even there. And so they had some gardeners help clear it out. And one was attacked by a rattlesnake. So when I think about places like Arizona and California and desert areas, I think it's like a common occurrence, yeah. but it's still a really big deal when you come across a scorpion or a snake. It's really... Right. Oh, and I heard there's like black snakes here. What's that? You hear all these weird main rumors. And I think I, I got I that confused with some, a conversation I had with somebody else about Missouri. <laughs> We're not in Missouri. Listeners, what are some rumors you've heard about Maine? True or not that you've heard about Maine? We're I'm gonna really just curious. talk about lobster. <sighs> I hear about lobster, Stephen King, and yeah, Stephen King, like some Puritan Amish shit they think we have going on. Oh here. yeah, when I was gonna move here, I had a friend who told me that I wouldn't like it here because it would be like a Puritan nightmare. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. I'm not into that notion. It's not true. Though I will say we have one of, or it's actually the only surviving Quaker village functioning Quaker village in the country. Which I'll take you to. Is that how you say that? I don't know the pronunciation of so many places. Ooh, this is fun. I'm going to quiz you next time. I have to ask you every time I go somewhere. I'm like, is this Gorham or Gorham? I like to listen to my GPS try because I I had my GPS on. I went to Lewiston for uh, an event for a friend that had passed away. And so I wasn't thinking clearly. So even though I'm from that area, I put my GPS on. And I passed Pettengill Street, and it said, Patingle. <laughs> Patingle Street. And it kind of made, it made me go, aw. And I kind of, I jazzed up after that. Because I was like, I'm going to call it Patingle Street now. You called it Bangor. Bangor. You? It's Bangor. Bangor. Yeah. Everybody thinks <laughs> it's not Bangor, it's Bangor, who's not from here, but they're fucking wrong. I don't know who's wrong on that scenario. I've been to Bangor once, I think, on a field trip. And that's where Stephen King is from. It's true. We should go. I know he just applied for some sort of permit to... This is going to sound really ignorant because I don't remember, but I think he's turning his house into a museum or doing some cool thing. Oh. But people go... He has like a lovely spiderweb gate. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And so people like to take pictures out front of his house. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't even t- gotten into the first topic. I was talking about bugs. Oh, bugs. We were talking about things that freak me out. Yeah. I was you thinking love about a lot Victorian of things. hair. Victorian hair, especially... I, I don't, love it. It's cool. Oh, it freaks me out. I love artifacts. I love them like nobody else loves them. I really just fucking love artifacts, but you put old hair in front of me, I'll vomit on you. I don't like it. It's not for me. I think bugs are secondary for me. Where Bugs are so fascinating. I love the ones that you have on your wall. Yeah, so I encased. have some encased bugs. Not many. I wish I had more, but one particular is featured by itself that I received as a gift, and it is a death's head hawk moth. A who what? And I... Say that slowly. Death's head hawk moth. Why does it sound Icelandic to me? Say it, Now say it fast. Death's head hawk moth. It has a little face on it. They do. They they can be four to five inches. That's too big. That's too big. That's a bird. <laughs> they They actually have a human skull pattern on the backs of their heads. Their larvae will bite... That's fucking freaky, dude. <laughs> what? They make a piercing, shrieking, squeaking noise when they're irritated. Can you imagine having larva, first of all, and then larva that bites? Yeah. That's a horror movie in itself. They can mimic the scent of bees so that they can raid the hives and steal the honey. 
That's an amazing trait. Aren't you so fascinated with things animals can do? They speculate that's how they're able to get in and not be attacked and stung by the bees is that they mimic some kind of their their scent or the screeching noise that the... That the, um, the bees do that? The bees screech? Why am I blanking on what they call Buzz? the queen? Right? It's the queen. Yeah. Um, they, they can mimic the same sound. But... Once a death's head hawk moth fills itself to the brim with honey, it can no longer shriek anymore. So it would have to make a really hasty escape from the hive. It's unlikely that that's the way that they're able to sneak into the hive and steal the honey. That's very similar to zombies. Do you watch The Walking Dead at all? Yeah. In one season, they discovered that if they put zombie bloody guts all over them... Oh, they yeah. They would rub it on themselves oh, sure. or on clothes. Or like they in Jurassic Park anywhere. when he like pours the gasoline all over himself and like throw off the scent. That's right. Know? It's all about the scent. Historical significance of the death's head hawk moth is that they're a symbol of death or bad omen. I love that they're just... Bad luck. Yeah, it's bad luck that death is imminent or bad luck is imminent. Do you know if they're rare? I don't think they're extremely rare. They come out at night. I've never seen an owl in real life. Like any nocturnal you animals. You haven't? Have you seen the movie Nocturnal Animals? No. It's a good one. Tom Ford made that oh, movie. Oh, really? Very good soundtrack. Weird movie. I have not seen many nocturnal animals because I am not usually out at night, but I do like fireflies. Oh, they're great. My dad used to catch fireflies for me. Isn't that sweet? That's adorable. So these moths are seen as spirits. If, a mo- if this moth was seen in the room of a dying person... It was considered that the soul was leaving the body. Do you think humans made that up because it has a creepy-ass face on its back? Maybe, but they've been written about in pop culture or in film or in books. Edgar Allan Poe talks about them in his book, The Sphinx. Most notably, if you think of this particular moth, you will recognize it as the Silence of the Lambs. That's yes. I was so in say, in that film, yes. Hannibal Lecter places the larvae of a death's head hawk moth and all of his victims and they're all in biting. their mouth. Ugh. Yeah. In Bram Stoker's Dracula, he sends a bunch of these moths as food to Renfeld or Field. He's a madman that has like really weird eating habits. I mean, they're creepy, but they're cool. And yes. Two large moths were discovered in the bedchamber of King George III in 1801 during his second major incident of, quote, madness. After he died, they found two. His physician took one, and it's now displayed at the University of Cambridge. But I would look at that. Yeah. I'm nobody, fine if they're encased. That's not far. Nobody knows if he Wait, actually Wait, are you saw- thinking Cambridge, Massachusetts, or is it Cambridge in the UK? Oh, you're right. (laughs) So his doctor took one of the moths that he found and is now displayed at the University of Cambridge. So far away. (laughs) I love museums. But there's no evidence that he actually saw the moths. That's some freaky shit. I love how in pop culture, though, we take things and kind of turn them into folklore. Like, it could have simply been Edgar Allan Poe talking about them, and so people thought they were creepy, and so they have this reputation. And But Silence of the Lambs, for sure, would alter a reputation of a moth. Yeah, but I think this reputation has been happening for, you know, a few centuries, at least. Moths are so interesting. They freak me out because sometimes they are giant. They're not butterflies. They're not butterflies, but they are butterflies of the night. They're butterflies the night. Oh, they feed off of nightshade. Gross. That's poison. They eat poison? They eat poison. They're just like evil moths. Kind of have some respect now. Yeah. If you're going to go around eating nightshade, we're friends. That's amazing. They're sweet little guys. Can I ask a really dumb question? Yeah. I didn't know where Cambridge, University of Cambridge was. Were moths once caterpillars too? Yes. They were, right? Yes. It just occurred to me, why don't I know that? I didn't know if moths are super similar to caterpillars in that way. Yeah. What makes the difference between a moth and a butterfly? Why, yeah, right. Why don't we know this? Somebody yeah. tell us. Someone tell us. Yeah. There's so many things that are seen as bad omens, and it's funny to me, like the whole walking under a ladder thing. Have you ever heard breaking a mirror is a bad omen? Oh, yeah. 
I've always heard the worst is breaking a mirror on Friday the 13th. And I remember when I was a kid, I had one of those really cheap full-length mirrors. Oh, yeah. I've broken at least five of those. Black cats. That's a romance. I have a black cat. His name's Onyx. He's adorable. We'll put a picture of him on the blog. Yeah. Because I have a picture of him on your black uh, upholstered velvet, velvet couch. Yeah. And he's gorgeous. Tufted, upholstered, velvet, black onyx. And now he's ruining it. He is. And you have a white cat, so yeah. all of a sudden there's white fur on it, but it's okay. Velvet is like, it just takes that fur right off. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. What are their bad omens? Um, crossed knives is apparently a bad omen. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have knives out and then they get crossed? That's a bad omen. Do that. people do that? Mm-mm. Ooh, we were just talking about owls. Seeing an owl during the day is a bad omen. Oh. See, nocturnal animals, I always assume they're like vampires. You don't go out at night. Well. I don't. <laughs> but I assume nocturnal animals are like vampires where if they're seen during the day, they just disintegrate. And <laughs> I know that's not true. Yeah. They're just sleeping somewhere. It's fine. But to me, in my magical brain, they're just vampires that disintegrate into a puff of smoke if they're seen during the day if a dog enters your house with a dry bone in its mouth the fuck who made this list this is a list from we tell you how.com but i don't think you're telling us anything correct um spilling salt and pepper oh yeah a lot of spilled salt behind me um receiving a mirror as a gift have you ever received a mirror as a gift what's the worst gift you've ever received (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I don't want to say it on air because the person who gave it to me was, might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. I have an ex. Mm-hmm. And for Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. he got me one of those contraptions that you use to pee standing up. A go-girl. A go-girl. A she-wee? I think he thought he was being like a, like a cool feminist. But it, <laughs> Someone got you a go-girl? For Valentine's <laughs> Day. <laughs> Right. I'm so glad you're not still together. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, it was not romantic. Don't you find it so funny when people think they know you really well, too? They yeah. get you a gift. Like, we know each other really well and get each yeah. other awesome gifts. Yeah. Gifts are really hard they for are. me to get. Some people. For some people. For men, it's really hard. Shopping for you, my niece, Jade, and my sister-in-law, Vanessa, easiest. For right. some reason, I just like... Well, if you like the same things, then you just shop for yourself and then... We don't, though. I just feel like I've got it with them for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Maybe they're listening and they actually don't like what I get them. There's one person I know of that just continuously gives bad gifts. <laughs> and everybody knows it. And I'm not going to say anything more than that. Everybody has that one person. But some people will be giggling listening to this because yeah. they already know. And then there's some people that are very humble about their gifts. And they're like, I know, it's not much. And it's actually the coolest thing in the world. The worst is when somebody gives you a gift that is like clearly just like an excuse gift. Like either they re-gifted it or they just like so don't hit the mark. Yeah, don't re-gift shit, guys. Like if you don't drink and then they buy you shot glasses. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, do you not know anything about me? You're going to have to edit this out, but I won't okay. want you to. We're editing something out, but... Let it be known that I received a gift that is apparently a bad omen, but you can't know what it is because then that person will know. We're doing so much gossiping right now, but it's okay because nobody knows who these people are. This is getting mysterious. I want to talk to you about something that uh, I don't know. What I, was gonna say. I drank too much coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have diarrhea? I don't have diarrhea, but I started thinking, and then I was like, my hands are shaking. <laughs> She's got the tremors. She's got the jitters. Yeah. Now my paper's gonna be shaking. <laughs> okay. So I was trying to think of a subject, and I watched a movie thinking. I'm going to talk about this movie. It's going to be so cool. And then I didn't like the movie. And again, I'm not going to mention the title of the movie because maybe some people will like it. Um, So I didn't want to do that. And then I thought, like, I'll find a weird documentary and I'll talk about that. So I'm in a Facebook group called uh, Incredibly Strange Films. Mm. And I love it. And people just talk about weird shit all the time. And it's so fun to talk to these people about movies that not a lot of other people have seen that are really weird. And so someone had a a question where they were asking for incredibly strange documentaries. 
I was like, shit. So last night I went through that list and there was one that I recognized, which it was perfect and serendipitous because they mentioned Bombshell, which is a documentary about Hedy Lamarr. Oh. Do you know anything about Hedy Lamarr? Kind of. Kind of. The first time I found out about Hedy Lamarr was... She's gorgeous. That's why I found out about her. Yeah. I used to be part of a, a live journal group actually way back in the day. And it was all these... All it was was high-res photos of actresses from the golden era of Hollywood because it was hard to find those photos. And so I came across one of this gorgeous girl, and I made it my wallpaper, and I was obsessed, and it was Hedy Lamarr. Yeah. But I'd never seen one of her films or anything. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Do you, though? I do. I do know a little bit about her. I just realized that I do. My brother had a book, and I don't remember the title of it, but I I brought up Hedy Lamarr to him the other day because he was talking about technology in the early 20th century i believe i might be making that up i don't remember what the book was about but i was asking if he knew anything about hedy lamar and it's really important to me to talk about hedy lamar because she has a fucking incredible story and it's really never been told there's this documentary but before then you'll kind of understand the demise of how like things went away for her and it's just such a tragic story because this woman was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, she was an inventor, and she was an actress, and she was also just the coolest, most badass woman ever. And I wish to God, like, more people right. knew her she story. Had an accent. She did. So she's, she's from, from Austria, Austria, Vienna, Austria. So she was born in 1914, and she grew up in an arts district in Vienna with her parents, and they were wealthy and cultured, and they went to the opera and the theater with her, and she went to a private school, but. Even from a young age, she said chemistry was always her favorite subject. And in this documentary, her son had a music box. And he said that when his mom was five, she would always take this whole music box apart and put it back together. Mm -hmm. And she was just obsessed with how things worked. And she was a daddy's girl and her and her dad would go on walks and he would explain how the factories worked and how cars worked and all these things around them. So she kind of grew up in this world of make-believe where she was always going to, you know, all these plays and shows and ballets and things like that and so she kind of took to acting and when she was 16 in 1930 she decided she was ready and she went to the biggest film studio in the area which was called Sasha Film Studios Mm -hmm. and she was booked for a walk-on pretty quickly but then three years later when she actually did her first film it was scandalous as all hell and we need to watch it yeah it's called Ecstasy and so picture this Austria 1933 doesn't speak a word of English the movie uh she is simulating an orgasm and she is fully nude what year 1933 wow when that happened the pope denounced her yeah her father was pissed when she went back to Vienna and Hitler banned the film but fuck Hitler and he said it was because she was Jewish but like (laughs) probably because it was very explicit he probably watched it and loved it I really bet he did. Fucking fuck him. So a lot of people, so she was sort of up and coming, but a lot of people lost respect for her because she was kind of in like a porn. That was her first thing. And she, once she became famous, she was kind of saying like, I got taken advantage of. And she, she kind of knew what she was doing then. I I think she just didn't realize that there would be a public backlash against her before she was uh, very famous. So right after that happened, she decided to start doing some stage acts where she played roles like the queen, and she tried to be a little bit more uh, not naked, (laughs) so that that people, she wanted to gain back some respect. Um, And while she was doing this, when she was 19, she married a guy named Fritz, and he was called the Henry Ford of Austria. She moved into his castle that had 25 guest rooms. Mm And it was basically her job full-time to just be his beautiful little companion. Trophy wife. And, like, didn't they entertain a lot? They did. So it was a very big deal. And this was right before World War II. Um, So this was, like, this was a very weird time in Austria when the Nazis were coming to power. Um, Some say that he was affiliated with the Nazis, but he was also Jewish. So I I don't know. Mm -hmm. They were both Jewish, and I, I don't think that had a lot of merit. So... He was extremely jealous. He started buying up all of her movie posters, especially from Ecstasy, because he didn't want anyone to see his wife like that. He had the maids listening in on her phone line. And so their marriage lasted from 1933 to 1937. And I have the world's greatest story of how she left her husband. Yes. It's my favorite thing in the world. So she knew that it wouldn't be easy. 
and she knew it would be very dramatic and difficult. So what she decided to do was they had a big dinner party one night. She hand-selected the staff for that evening, and there was a maid that kind of looked like her. She left the dinner party and went back to her room and said, I'm going to have a little tea with you, maid. And she put sleeping powder in one of the teacups and switched it so it became the maid's teacup. The maid drank it and passed out. She put her in her bed so that the maid looked like Hetty was asleep instead of this maid. She took her maid uh, outfit off and put it on and rode away on a bicycle. Get it. Isn't that amazing? Great. So she drugged the maid and then wore the maid's outfit and escaped into the night. Isn't that the most amazing visual? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, ha, fuck you at the dinner party. And she's in the maid's (laughs) costume and she's riding as fast as she can. I love it so much. That's my favorite story. So now it's about 1937. She leaves her husband. She's still very young. She's in her early 20s. And so what started happening, the war is inevitable at this point, World War II. So that's coming. It's getting real shitty for Jewish people in this area. There's a lot of restrictions being placed on them. And so Louis B. Mayer from America, the man of the movies of the golden era of Hollywood. So Louis B. Mayer goes to Vienna, Austria, because he's thinking there's all these Jewish actresses that want to flee Austria during the war, so I can get them for a really good price. He has a a sit-down at a hotel with Hedy Lamarr. I don't know why I just forgot her name. (laughs) So he sits down with Hedy Lamarr in this hotel room, and he offers her $125 a week to have a seven-year contract. And she says, that's not good enough, and walks out. That doesn't happen to this man. He's floored. So she has second thoughts about this, and it's just like, well, I really want to do this, and this is my big chance. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But instead of crawling back to him, this is how she handled it. There was this ship called the Normandy, which was sailing back to New York, and Louis B. Mayer was going to be on it. So she thought, well, I'll book a ticket on that as well. Mm -hmm. So she did, and she... Oh, I fucking forgot to mention my favorite part of her speeding into the night on this bicycle. Before she had done... No, it's okay. Reverse. Before she had fled on this bicycle, she sewed all of her jewels into the lining of her coat. Oh. So she put this coat on and fled into the night with the jewels in her coat. Yeah. So she had those jewels, all the remaining jewels. She brought them onto the boat with her, the Normandy, and she put them on. She decked herself out and she put on a gorgeous gown and was just like, she's fucking gorgeous and she knows it. Mm-hmm. And so she's parading through the dining hall and, oh, it's Louis B. Mayer. And so she sees him having dinner and all eyes are glued to her. She right. starts making small talk with the people near him. By the end of the night, he's offered her $500 a week. Yes. And she accepts it and goes to America with him on the ship. So how fucking smart is it That's of her? genius. She doesn't go crawling back to him, but she literally gets on the boat that's sailing to New Mastermind. York. Mastermind. So she has nothing. Yeah. She's just fled her husband's castle in the maid's uniform with all of her jewels sewn into her coat. Mm-hmm. And now she's going to Louis B. Mayer and saying, no, you're going to give me $500 a week. Yeah. And how gutsy is it? She's on this boat going to New York from yeah. Austria being like, well, this better work out for me. And it did. That is gutsy. So by the time they dock the, the ship, there's already press taking pictures of her because it's words gotten around. Louis B. Mayer has this new find and who is she? Who is she? So there's press taking photos. So she's almost instantly famous. Right. Isn't that amazing? What a, Great. What a, what a genius. Oh, love, it. love it. Um, so remember, she didn't speak a word of English. She didn't? This entire time. She had no. no. She couldn't speak a word of English. So to impress Louis B. Mayer, she learned some English lines while on the ship so that once they docked, she could serious business do this for him and, you know, get it done. So she was reading lines for a movie and she, he had her star in a movie called Algiers, which made her an instant Hollywood star. Because she, I mean, in that time period, it was basically just you had these contract girls. You would find this beautiful face. Mm. You would change their name, which they changed hers. Her name was originally Hedwig. So Ooh. on the boat, they changed her name. I think her last name was Kaiser. Ka- yeah. Hedwig Eva Marie Kaiser. And they changed it to Hedy Lamar while on the boat. She learned her lines while on the boat in English. It's just so amazing She's to me so how quickly. fearless. I know. So I will say she's been married six times. I'm not going to go through every single husband and circumstance, just the ones that seem to have shaped her and her story the most. But by this point, once she was in her first few films, she had been divorced twice. Um, so she was single. She was working six days a week on films. They were very long days. 
And like we were talking about with Judy Garland and people like that, they were giving her speed pills to right. keep her awake. Again with the drugs. Sleeping pills to make her go to sleep. And it was almost required at that point because they were overworking their contract girls so much that like they, <laughs> it was just physically impossible otherwise. Yeah. So she, of course, became addicted to those. It wasn't like Judy Garland addicted, but it was like it became part of her everyday life. Sure. So while she's doing that, she's being overworked. She's taking all these pills. Instead of going home and sleeping, she would work on her hobby, which was inventions. Right. She became friends with Howard Hughes, which he had a team of scientists. And he told her, if you want to ever use any of my scientists, just let me know. They'll do whatever you want. And he also gave her a lot of equipment. So at her house, she had a little setup. And then in the trailer while she was filming, she had a setup um, so that she could get to work inventing things. Um, And the first sort of notable invention that she came up with was this tablet, which this is a girl after my own heart, I'll tell you what. She made a tablet that would fizz up and turn water into cola. And the reason no. she, yeah, the reason she decided to do that is because during the war, servicemen and women and people in factories only had access to water. Yeah. And she wanted them to have Coca-Cola. So she found a way to condense this tablet and make it like sort of a powder form, a dry tablet yeah. that would dissolve into water. Like, like, like Alka-Seltzer. Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. But it would Was it before Alka-Seltzer? Ooh. Did she invent the predecessor to Alka-Seltzer? Probably not. I don't think so. But that's cool. So it worked perfectly. But what she had discovered is that every state's water has a slightly different chemistry. Yeah. So sometimes what would happen is they would be duds. They would just sit at the bottom and they wouldn't dissolve or there would be no carbonation. So she just kind of wrote it off and went, oh, I fucking suck. I can't. Yeah. I didn't even think about that yeah. factor. Which think about how many inventions have been whipped up and amazing and haven't lasted because there's just this one little element you can't work through. Jeez. Um, but that was so cool. So so while she's working six days a week on films, making taking bank, drugs, <laughs> taking drugs, she would go back to her trailer and invent the most amazing shit. I feel like she invented something else. She did. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know like about the Alka-Seltzer cola. I didn't yeah. know about that so one. So that was her first sort of dabbling into this world. And she realized she could actually do something. So there's the war. There's German torpedoes. And they were wiping people out left oh. and right. So there, I remember seeing a headline. There was a ship with over 200 people that died. 80 of them were children and people were like, fuck. Yeah. They realized that the Germans kind of could outdo them in this arena. Yeah, they really had the upper hand. Uh, Exactly. So the problem with torpedoes was once you activated them, you couldn't control where they went. So if the enemy moved or was able to intercept what you were doing, you were fucked. There was nothing you could do. You just released it and that was it. And the way that they did that was through radio frequencies. So they would have one radio channel that they would use to control them. But the enemy would just intercept that Mm -hmm. channel. And that was the end of it. So she thought if they could remote control these torpedoes Mm -hmm. and direct them, they'd have no problem. Yeah. So what she came up with was if we frequency hop. So the enemy would completely clog the frequency. So she thought, well, there's got to be multiple frequencies. Yeah. So if we have multiple frequencies and they're all syncing up together, it's encrypted and they won't be able to get the frequency in time. Mm-hmm. And once they do, there's nothing they can do about it because it's switching. It's yeah. hopping around. It's hopping around. So this technology became known as frequency hopping and she solely invented this idea. But she didn't have the training to implement it. And she was at a friend's party named Mitzi. Isn't that Mitzi. the sweetest name? Mitzi. Mitzi had a party. I and want a kitty named Mitzi. That's a very sweet cat name. I hope someone out there is a cat named Mitzi. So at Mitzi's party, she met this man named George Anthel. And he was a composer, and he was known to be very avant-garde. And he once, you know, like a player piano? Mm. He once synced up 16 player pianos to make a film score. Like, that's how he did it. Wow. Isn't that fucking cool? Yeah, so cool. So she wrote her phone number and lipstick on his windshield when she left the party. Oh, lovely. Don't you just love her? Yeah. Already, she's fucking phenomenal. So they became close, and she started telling him about all these invention ideas that she had. And he was specifically interested in the frequency hopping because his brother, George's brother, was the first American ever killed in World War II. They blew up his plane, and he died. And so he was like, well, I fucking want Hitler to die, and I really want to get him and his people, so let's do it. 
And so his expertise is in player pianos. So he's thinking mm. logically about player pianos. And if you remember, there's like this, I don't know what it's called, but this sort of scroll, like a sheet music right. scroll that's fed into player yeah. pianos. And so that was his expertise. And it's she like had in the a idea. music box too. Exactly. Yeah. In a music box. And if you remember when she was little, yeah. she used to take those apart. So they were both thinking in that arena and they actually used player piano technology to implement this frequency hopping. Yeah. It was the same sort of deal. So they um, lived together and they have notebooks and notebooks. They, they just spent all of their time inventing and came up with this idea and they were able to implement it. So in 1941, it was pretty much ready and they had this patent. Um, in 1941, they took their invention to the national and in, in, I wrote investors, but that's not right because it's inventors. <laughs> In 1941, they took their invention to the National Inventors Council, and the whole council was floored by the idea. And so they introduced them to some physicists who helped them actually develop it and make mm -hmm. it like feasible. So when it was ready, they were so fucking excited, and they brought it to the Navy and told them it would be a huge game changer. And then the Navy laughed them off oh. because... They said, like, this idea is just based off of player pianos. You guys don't know what you're doing. So they said, Hetty, just go sell war bonds because you're a pretty right. face. That's what you should do. So she started entertaining the troops. And in today's money, she sold $343 million in war bonds. <laughs> Love her so much. Yeah. And she wasn't even an American citizen yeah. yet. And she still did that. She's just, like, so perseverant and determined. Right? Um. So, but in her acting life, so she just got laughed off by the Navy after spending so much time on this idea that everybody's told her is so brilliant. And now she's being given a lot of degrading roles by Mayer in Hollywood because they want to entertain the troops. And so it, it's a lot of just sort of like floozy roles where there's no substance to them. It's just a lady in a dress slowly taking it off and yeah. what's the matter? Like Marilyn Monroe type yeah. stuff, you know. So she... She knew that respect was dwindling for her, and she remembered how terrible that was when she made ecstasy, and she never wanted that to happen again. So she said, I'm going to make my own production company. So she did. So she made a production company, and in 1946, the first movie was, was released called The Strange Woman, and then she did one called The Dishonored Lady in 1946. And she kind of started struggling financially, putting a lot of money into production, and Cecil B. DeMille found her and cast her as Delilah and Samson and Delilah. Oh. And during that decade, apparently the only larger grossing film was Gone with the Wind. So this was a huge, wow. huge film. So it really kind of, and she's still known mostly for that movie. So it really turned things around for her. But that got her all inspired. So she's thinking, this movie was really successful. I've got my own production company. I'm going to do one just like it. So she did, <laughs> but... She poured millions of dollars into doing it, thinking it would obviously be a hit, but she had no experience doing something on that scale. It was right. a, a large magnitude, and it, I've seen clips of it, and it was just, it kind of reminded me of Cleopatra with... Um, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Thank you. Yeah. With Elizabeth Taylor. It was just sort of that like grand scale, sort of big budget, yeah. movie, you know, where you can tell like that's just excessive. Yeah. And so she had this big, excessive movie that she thought, of course, it's a shoe-in, but she couldn't find distribution for it, and she lost all of her money. Oh. So all the money she made with Samson Delilah, no. kind of gone. But she still had the jewels. Yeah, I don't know what happened to the jewels. <laughs> I hope she still had something, Jesus. And at this point, too, she had, she had probably had four div divorces at this point, and she had two kids. She had adopted a son, and she had a young daughter. So they thought, her children said around this time she was kind of a woman of extremes and one of the divorces really screwed with her. And then she met an oil man and moved to Texas. Oh. And she convinced him to buy a big piece of land because she was kind of homesick for Austria. And so she wanted to make a ski resort in an Austrian style. That became her new focus. Texas? In Aspen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Aspen. <laughs> a little place called Aspen. <laughs> <laughs> So they, apparently after they did this whole ski resort project, they just fell apart. So there were no Chip and Joanna games. It was not oh. working for them. And so their kids, her kids said that everything kind of went to shit after that. So things fell apart. They got a divorce and she was called to testify in court for the divorce the same day that her son was in a bicycle accident at the hospital. And she was really distraught and she knew she had to be in court. So um, she sent her body double to court thinking the judge wouldn't know. 
he knew right away. So the judge took the entire resort away from her. And that resort, she said in an interview, I don't know if it's true or not, but it made about a million dollars a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if that's, she said that and laughed. I don't know if it was accurate, but it was a big moneymaker and that was, you know, all that she had at that point. So the judge was really pissed and he decided, yeah, if you're going to send your body double, I don't think so. Yeah, that's a little gutsy to, yeah. So at this point, that was probably the darkest period in her life. So if you picture it, she's now a single mother. Mm -hmm. She's lost all of her Samson and Delilah money. All of her jewels. She's lost all of her jewels probably at this point, I would assume. Texas man is bye-bye, which she loved. No more Aspen. No more more Aspen. No more Samsonite. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) I can't think about Aspen without Dumb and Dumber anymore. Does anybody else have that problem? So at this point, it, it became a very dark period for her. And they thought she was still kind of struggling with pills. But she met this doctor. His name was Dr. Feelgood. And he was JFK's doctor. And he had a lot of, like, Hollywood elite mm. uh, patients. And so he would be flown to sets. And mm. basically, like, the producer would say, they're not being peppy enough. Give them something. That's right. So he would do that. So he eventually got his medical license taken away. But before that happened... He would tell Hetty, I'm going to give you some vitamin B shots for energy. And he had these vials that he, that he would, you know, hook up to a syringe and say they're his special vitamin elixirs. Do you want to guess what was actually in those vials? Speed. Heroin. Methamphetamine. Yeah. So he was injecting her with 40 milligrams of meth. Oh. So she became addicted to meth and didn't know. She thought these were vitamin B shots that made her feel real That's good. That's terrible. So she's already addicted to pills a little bit. But the pictures of her once she has a meth addiction, which is so sad to think that she didn't even know she yeah. was addicted to meth. She just thought, I need she's addicted these to services. B12. Yeah, she thinks these are vitamins. And so he's doing this to a lot of people. But I will tell you, in the photos from that era, you can tell there's something going on. And her kids said she became a monster. Like, her son said that he dropped a fork and she immediately screamed, if you drop something, you pick it up. Like, she yeah. just lost it. She was like, a little mommy dearest. Daniel Plainview. Yeah. And so her daughter was in college at this point, And at one point, her daughter walked past a newsstand and saw a photo of her mother in jail. Her mom had $14,000 in her purse at the time, but shoplifted $80 in merchandise. And that she was a She pulled a Winona. She pulled a Winona. She said it was a big misunderstanding and was acquitted. So nobody really knows the truth. I doubt it was a misunderstanding. It was a very dark time for her. She was addicted to drugs and alone. I'll have it. Kids were gone. I'll have this. I'll have it. I want this. Yeah. Um, She couldn't have been that terrible if she had $14,000 in her purse. Yeah. I think it was, I think she was very brazen. I think she probably liked to get away with things from the things that you've described. I think so. I think so. She was a little ballsy. But once she was caught, it was like, me, you know. So, who, me? Uh, so that really damaged her image and her mental health. Yeah. And she was fired from the movie that she was working on when that happened and replaced with Zsa Zsa Gabor. Mm. My dad calls me Zsa Zsa. Zsa Zsa. Or when I was growing up, my dad would call me Lucy after Lucille Ball. But if I put too much makeup on, he would call me Zsa Zsa. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Zsa Zsa? And I'm sure that happened quite often. Oh my God. It was, I remember someone telling my mom, that's just a phase when I would wear too much makeup. <laughs> and then I became a makeup artist. Yeah. Almost just tongue it's in cheek to be like, fuck you. I've always loved makeup and I'm always going to. Anyway, so she started writing a biography and she kind of just wanted the money and she had no interest in the book. Yeah. So there is a biography about her, but it's not good. And she basically just had someone interview her and then write their own thing yeah it's it's depressing so she in a tv interview said like don't talk about that it's not my book and kind of denied her part in it and she had a lot of plastic surgery in her 40s and onward but she did start to pioneer plastic surgery methods which is pretty interesting because she would go to the plastic surgeon and say this doesn't exist yet but i want you to do a b and c i want the scar behind my ear i want the scar behind my knee mm. i want you to do the incision like this yeah. and then women would go to the plastic surgeon and say hetty said she had you do blah 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 right. can you do that to me and they still plastic surgeons to this day credit her to sort of inventing certain ways that they do of things course. so even with plastic surgery she yeah. was like hey guys so around this time in her 40s, she's 
you know, she's not doing great and her looks are fading and she's feeling really bad about herself and she's still loves inventing, but nothing has come to fruition. So she's like, what about that patent I had? So the other guy that was part of the patent was taken off the patent because he was not a citizen and he, they saw it as an illegal alien trying to make something for the U.S. military. We don't trust it. So he was actually taken off the patent and they stored it in a vault for a very long time. So she found out that her patent had been stored away for a long time and that the military had actually started using frequency hopping, which is what her patent was for. So she found out that all branches of the military were using the technology that they had once laughed off. They were using it for all of their bases of communication. They were using it for torpedoes, submarines, airplanes. They were using it to protect the president. They were using it for all forms of encrypted communication. It was widespread. So she had this patent, but it expired while it was in that vault. And so they started creating this technology after her patent had expired so Mm -hmm. they didn't have to pay her. And the man that created this for the military said that that patent was in their hands and they were actually using it to base this technology after it had expired. And she actually had six years to sue them for payment after the expiration date, but she didn't know that. Right. Today, the frequency hopping technology that she solely invented and had help implementing is used for GPS, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth. And it is estimated that she would have made $30 billion off of this invention. She'd be like one of the richest women in the world. Instead, she was given an award in the 90s and a tribute page on one of the guys that implemented this technology for the military saying, it was Hetty who came up with this. That's all she ever received. So she um, didn't accept that award in person. In the 90s, she had her son accept it on her behalf because she had had a little too much plastic surgery at this point. And she really, you can see some photos, she really became botched. And she was, you know, she really wanted to personify what she was when she was an icon. And a lot of the people in her family think that even to them, she was concerned that she didn't fit that image to them. And so she didn't even really communicate with her family much anymore, her children or anybody. They would never visit her, and she didn't want them to. Um, But she would still call them from time to time. I think she was just nervous about her physical appearance. Yeah. And so her son said, you know, she called me one day in 2000 and told me the Austrian symphony is on TV, and then a few days later she just died in her sleep. No. Yeah. So she passed away peacefully, which is nice, but... It's so, it's such an incredible journey to me and such an incredible story. Yeah, that is an amazing story. It's not told enough. And when people, her story is so valid to me because she was so beautiful and that's what people focused on. Totally. And it was also her she demise. She was so much more than that. She was so much more than that. And a lot of people have said if it was any other era, she could have really done this. Because yeah. she wanted to be on the National Council. Yeah. Um, of inventors and she decided to stay in Hollywood there's more money there was more attention it was just what she was used to but she was really thrown into that system and got taken advantage of and got addicted to drugs and, yeah. and so she was sort of stuck in the system and the one thing she was passionate about she was a genius at right and not a lot of people understand that she was behind this technology but at the same time she kind of used her beauty to her advantage, which did. I have no problem with. Something that really upsets me, and it upset her as well, is that a lot of people said, you were in all these high caliber circles. Surely you heard these men talking about these ideas oh, and you stole it from them. Or rubbish. your husband That's came rubbish. across. Or in a board meeting with your husband. You, and, and she was really offended by that. Of course. And, and rightfully so. And a lot of people think, if anything, there was a remote control for a TV that had come out, I guess, in the 50s, and it was kind of like a rotary phone. Mm, mm-hmm. And so she thought, if you can dial through and you know circle through these different channels, yeah. why can't you do that with the frequencies yeah. as well? So a lot of people think she was inspired by little inventions That's like right. that. But to say that she just stole this idea. Oh, yeah, because she overheard the men in the smoking room. Right, and that was a big... Forget it. A, yeah, so there, there's a lot of people that try to say that, and I just think that's horseshit. Um, and there were people next to her helping her implement this with physicists and the national council 
And George, the composer, who lived with her and, and helped her create this with the player piano technology, it's just, it's so serendipitous how that worked out, yeah. that he was able to help her in that way. And the help from Howard Hughes, and she really did this on her own, and she was a woman of many talents, and when something was in her way, she would just do it herself. She made her own production. Yeah. I just think her story is so incredible, and it's really hard to believe that someone had such a double life like this, where they were in the golden age of Hollywood, one of the biggest stars, and also invented the basis of encrypted communication as we know it today. (laughs) Fuck yes. Historically speaking, it was a little more difficult for women to rise through, and I think it's important to talk about that. Historically speaking, it's really interesting to talk about people's challenges. Well, we're incorporating the strange and the beautiful, and there's a, you know, we're probably a little enamored with the golden age of Hollywood, Hollywood stars. I knew that she was somehow related to Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, but I didn't know exactly how. I didn't know. I had heard rumors that she solely came up with this concept, but I didn't understand how or what people meant. And then I always thought, too, well, if she did, then surely I'd know about it. She'd be world famous and rich. And I wonder how many other people are not getting credit. I'm really curious to know that, too. How many women in history have not been given credit? You know, the saying behind every great man is a great woman. We love fur and we hate men. (laughs) (laughs) And we love taxidermy. We love taxidermy, goddammit. I'm going to play a little. So in this documentary with Hedy Lamarr, at the end of it, she reads a poem to the interviewer that she read to her kids. Oh. And I would like to put that in because it's just so sweet. The biggest people with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest people with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. Give the world the best to have and you'll be kicked into the sea. Give the world the best you've got anyway. Some have fangs about this size, some short and fat, some tall. 